Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's sermon podcast series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. This Sunday, Pastor Tim and Pastor Shauna co-preach on do we have to go to a church building to be a part of the church? Looking at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 19. from Ephesians, we're looking in chapter 2, verse 11. So then remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the uncircumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one. And has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances. That he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near for through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints (laughs) and also members of the household of God. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Lots lots and lots and lots to be thankful for this morning. So much to be thankful for this morning. What a great morning of worship. We're excited to get to talk about the nature of the church, but so much to be thankful for. In fact, I felt like Pastor Jordan just did such a great job leading us in worship this morning. Such a great job. It's almost like he just, yes, such a great job. It was almost like he just had a little something extra today. Did you feel that? It was like he had the weight of an engagement ring unloaded from his pocket. that's what it was. And it went to someone else. That's what it was. Hey, can we say congratulations to Jordan and Lauren. We love you guys. Finally put a ring on it Friday night, man. We're so excited for you guys, so excited. We are glad to be back. We've been gone last week. Mm -hmm. We were at a camp meeting for the Eastern Michigan District, so we were up there celebrating alongside the lake. But there was a lot of stuff that happened in the life of the church that we felt like I had to watch on a small screen and I didn't want to have to do that, so I watched Dr. Green's phenomenal sermon last week talking about the violence in the Old Testament, why that's all there. And then from a wedding reception in Ohio, Pastor Grace and Austin and a few of us huddled around a little screen and watched the proposal take place just out here. And so we're thrilled. We're celebrating with the two of you. Welcome to Lauren's parents as well to celebrate this grand event. So uh, exciting things in the life of the church. And it's good to see you today, not on a small screen, but in person. 
in the flesh, face to face. It is so good to see you today. While we were gone this last week, um, we had our dog with a dog sitter, and so there wasn't really any need for our house to be open. And, and so we obviously, as you do when you leave town, closed, made sure all the windows were closed, all the doors were locked, we locked it all up. The thermostat is basically the one thing in the house that Tim hasn't set to talk to the Alexa yet. So, uh, you know, basically, like, we have to shower on our own and set the thermostat. Those are kind of the only two things in the entire house that Tim hasn't hooked up to the Alexa. And so as we're driving back, we're realizing it is July in Nashville. And, and we're getting back in the middle of the day on Saturday. Our house has been locked up for an entire week. All of the windows and doors sealed up, no air running. It is going to be nasty when we open that door, right? Have you ever had that experience? Walking into a building that's been shut up for any amount of time, and lo and behold, we got into the house, we opened up the doors, and the kids were like, we told them they had to unpack the van, help us unpack the van, and they get outside of the van, they're like, oh, it's so hot, we wanna go inside, we wanna go inside. So they get all their suitcases and we go inside, and they say, oh, it's so hot, we wanna go outside, we wanna go outside. That's what happens, right, to a building after it's been shut up for a while. You know, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he talks about the church as a building project to the Lord. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. If you're just stepping in this week, we are in the middle of a series called God Questions, where many people from the congregation submitted questions that they wanted us to talk about over this sermon series. And so if it feels like it's a little bit odd, last week we're talking about violence in the Old Testament, and this week we're talking about the nature of the church, that's because these are the questions that people submitted and wanted us to talk about. The question that we're really, really dealing with today, thank goodness, has, I mean, we looked at Ephesians 2, yeah. it has nothing to do with circumcision, and I'm so grateful for that, <laughs> but we're really talking about the nature of the church. The nature of the church. The question that actually came to us was, do you need to be in the building to be part of the church? And friends, let me say, over the last couple of years, that question has taken on a new sense of urgency, yeah. a new sense of exploration, a new depth. And I want to say that on one level, I think maybe if that's where that question came from, we are exploring lots of new avenues in terms of how we can be the church even if we are scattered online or we've had to move into all kinds of different formats. And let me just say, I am so proud of the way that we all have handled so much of this. We, there's been a lot asked of us of scattering and gathering together and all of the changes that have taken place. Can I just say thank you to you for your spirit of being understanding and willing to be the church in all of these different formats? But beyond that, I think there is this other kind of a, an aspect to this question because sometimes we ask a question like, do you really have to be in the building to be part of the church? And I don't want to be one of those guys who answers a question with another question, but this time I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to respond to you and say, let me ask you to consider a question. And that question is this. It's a question that I've asked lots of different groups before, but I'm going to ask it to you because I think you guys are just going to do a better job with it. That is... Do you need to be in the church to be a Christian? All right, think about that for just a second. Do you need to be in the church to be a Christian? Is our Christian faith connected to the necessity of being connected to the church? Now, ponder that for just a second. Because you may have an answer formulating in your mind right now. 
You might be in this yes group or you might be in the no group and you might have a rationale for why that is. And so as I've asked different groups that question, most of the time there emerges two distinct groups. You've got the no group and that no group is basically going to say, no, I don't have to be in the church to be a Christian because my faith really is me and Jesus. It is my faith in Jesus and I don't necessarily need to connect with another group of people to do that. A really good representative of that was a music professor of mine in college who told us about times in his college career when he was a student where he would say, I don't need the church anymore because my faith can be sustained just by myself. And so he would open scripture, something about him, he used to wake up on a Sunday morning and in his room by himself, he would open the scriptures, he would even serve himself communion if you could call it that. Uh, all kinds of things like that because his faith was considered him and Jesus. He didn't necessarily need all those other Christians around him to be able to sustain his faith. But then you've got this other group who might be saying, no, 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 I do need the church around me. So yes, my faith is necessary, my connection to the church is necessary for my faith because I need this. I need a group of people around me who can help sustain me and help me to grow and help keep me accountable and help spur me on to new heights and new depths and all those kinds of things. But oftentimes when I ask this group questions like that, one of the things we have to wrestle with is the reality that underlying both of those answers, regardless of whether you answered it yes or no, is this basic assumption of what the church is, which is the church kind of exists as a spiritual support group of some people who happen to agree on some ideas about Jesus with me. And so the no group would say, I don't really need that. It's nice when it's there but I don't really need it because it's still kind of like this support if I happen to need it. And then you've got this other group saying, no, I really do need that because really it's this individualized faith of mine and so I could drop in every so often. Regardless of whether you answered that question yes or no, let me suggest something like this, that maybe the church is more than just a spiritual support group. Now, please hear me. I have nothing against a, a group of Christians coming together and supporting one another and spurring one another. I think that is one of the beautiful gifts that God is giving to one another in the church. But I want to suggest maybe it's even something more than that. It is that and it's so much more. In the passage that we read today, Paul is talking to two distinct groups in Ephesus. You essentially have a group of Jews and you have a group of Gentiles. These groups have very distinct identities. You could say that they've got different political affiliations because this group of Jews over here sees the world politically one way. This group of Gentiles sees the world politically a very different way. You've got different ethnic and even racial identities that are being involved there. So the Jewish people are deeply connecting into their ethnic history and identity and saying, this is what makes us the people of God. Where then you've got these Gentiles saying, but I don't have that same heritage. Is there a place for me in the church here? And I want to suggest that Paul is seeing something in the church that goes beyond just a spiritual support group for those people. Did you hear the language that he used in the passage that was read for us? The dividing wall is being taken down. And now there's this new thing that is being born, a new creation reality, where once there were these two distinct groups that had divisions and even enmity between them, and what Paul is saying is, look around at what's taking place in the church. This is a miracle of new creation. Friends, 
Let me ask you to do something this morning. Look around. Just look around. Take a look around. Look what's happening right here. Do you see the miracle that's taking place this morning in the church? That's right. Amen, Jeff. And so do I, Jeff. Why? Because I think what's happening right here, right now, is not just a group of people who decided to get up and go get some spiritual goodies this morning to support them on their way. Friends, I see the church as something deeper than that. It's, that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good, but I see something deeper than that. I see a group of people who have no other reason for belonging together other than Jesus. Yeah. That Jesus is beginning to breathe a new form of creation where once we, there was enmity among us, now God is beginning to birth something new as an act of new creation. Now, when I say new creation, what do I mean by that? I mean that as distinguished, and this is going to blow your mind, so buckle up, write this in your notes. It's different than old creation. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? <laughs> right, Kat? That's good. It's different than old creation. But what do I mean by that? That old creation is what Paul described as these groups who are at enmity with one another. That there's this way that we just say, well, that's just kind of the way that the world is. Those people don't sit with those people. These people disagree with those people. And we ought not to be together in that way. In other words, the sociologists would tell us that this makes no sense for those groups to come together. And what I think Paul is beginning to see here is that the church is a miracle of new creation. It's not just something we come and look at for a little while and hear some people talk for a little while or sing some songs. We are being knit together as a witness and sign that God is really making all things new, and if you don't believe it, look at these people who don't belong together. That every other sociological category would say they don't belong together because they vote differently, and they're from different racial backgrounds and different ethnicities. They come from different socioeconomic strata. Everything is different, and look at the thing that God is doing. So I want to suggest to you that part of what the church is is the new creation and new creation isn't just anything that's new or novel. It's the gift of the Spirit that makes this thing we pray for every Sunday, heaven and earth, as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. That's what's taking place in the church. This is the gift of the new creation. The miracle that we see taking place right here and right now is a gift of the Spirit. So this gift of new creation, it really is an event it's an event that happens when the Spirit comes and enlivens the people of God to be this new creation reality. Sometimes that event happens in a building like this. And sometimes it happens outside of the building when we are sent. It's interesting that Paul uses this language to talk about buildings, to talk about a building as a metaphor for the church. Because in the life of the people of God, the history of building projects is kind of a mixed bag. You know what I mean? In many ways, building projects in the life of the people of Israel sometimes represent the very best of the history of the people of God. And often they reflect the very worst of the character of the people of God. Let me explain to you what I mean. The very first building project we see in Scripture we find in the book of Genesis, and it is the Tower of Babel. If you're not familiar with that story, it's a story in the book of Genesis where a group of people come together and they realize that, that together they have this kind of strength and power. They can do things together, but they want to use the strength and power that they have together to build this great tower that will stretch up into the heavens and make them like God. 
And so they come together to make this big building project of the Tower of Babel, but God looks down on this and says, this is not what I want for you. And so what does God do in the story of the Tower of Babel? If you're not familiar with it, God scatters the people. Not only physically are they scattered into different regions, but they're even scattered with their languages so that they cannot understand one another. They have to scatter and spread out. Generations later then, you've got the great building project of the Temple of Solomon, right? After the people of God are now in the promised land, they've got some stability in the promised land. They've got some some steadiness. They no longer have to pack up their tents every single uh, month or so and keep moving to a new place. And because they've got this stability and settledness, well, they want to celebrate that with a building project. And, And so they begin to build a palace and finally a temple And Solomon's temple is supposed to be this incredible grand feat of human construction. But God's not even sure what God thinks about this building project. In fact, God says to Solomon, hey, Solomon, so tell me this. You are going to build a house for me? You are going to build a house for me whose throne is up in the heavens and whose footstool is the mountains themselves. You're going to build me a house out of what, like cedar? Is that what you're going to do? Well, Solomon's temple is great and grand and awesome, but eventually, generations later, after a period of great unfaithfulness by the people of Israel, that temple is then destroyed, and the people of God once again are scattered. They're scattered this time into exile, taken into the nations of the world. So again, we see this gathering into buildings and then scattering, and we see that happening after Solomon's temple and the exile. Well, after then a generation in exile, the people of God are, are allowed to come back into the promised land. And now that once again, they're back in the land, they're looking forward to a new season with some stability, right? And some security in the promised land. Well, it's time to build again. And so Ezra and Nehemiah, if you remember those books in the Old Testament, they record the stories of rebuilding the temple in the same spot where Solomon's temple had been. And so they go about this reconstruction project to reconstruct, but it's still kind of a mixed bag. Because the young people who are the, the, the young folks that are excited to see something new be built in the promised land, something that they get to build with their own hands to say, look what we did, They're shouting with shouts of joy. They're cheering when the foundation is laid. But the older generation that still remembered Solomon's temple and how grand it was, they're weeping and wailing because it's just not the same. There's this mixed bag, right, around the building of the second temple. Finally, when Jesus comes along, even that second temple is under a period of reconstruction. In fact, it's being reconstructed as Jesus is teaching and walking in the temple. And he's got some harsh words reserved for that reconstruction project that we'll get to a little bit later. But it's always sort of this mixed bag. And so here Paul is talking about the church as this building project, this miracle that's filled with the Spirit, and yet I can't help but wrestle with the fact that building projects in the life of the people of God are are a pretty conflicted thing. It seems like when the people of God have some sort of stability, they want to build something, but that's not necessarily what God is most pleased with. And God often ends up scattering them after these great building projects. In fact, we see this in in church history too. If anybody wants to do a little quick church history journey with me. 
In the temple era, this is when Jesus is, is walking the earth, right? The early church in the Jewish temple era, as they are reconstructing this second temple, as, uh, as the, the Jewish diaspora is still gathering into the Jerusalem synagogue that's being reconstructed, um, this, this temple era where the people of Israel are being gathered, it's out of this temple era that we see the the missionary movement of the book of Acts explode, right? Where missionaries like Paul and Silas, they are being sent all over the world into the Greek and Roman world, being scattered all over, and the church is thriving and springing up in these places and spaces. Well, then generations pass, and, and we get to an era where this guy named Constantine is the emperor, and, and he gives the church that had just been this kind of wild, scattered movement, he gives them a sense of stability. In fact, makes them an official religion, right? He gives them some kind of real stability once again. And, and when Constantine then is on the scene, we start to see the church build some buildings that are separate from the Jewish temples and synagogues. The church starts to build some buildings for them to worship and baptize. But it's at that same time that we see other groups of Christians begin to move out begin to scatter, in fact, into the deserts, places where nobody else lived. There was a sense in which they they needed to seek God in these desert and wilderness places, and that was the the monastic desert communities of the fourth and fifth centuries. We saw those monastic communities really start to rise. Well, then in the Middle Ages, as the Roman Catholic Church is is really becoming this dominant force in the world and and, and building places like Vatican City, and there's all these building projects where the, the Roman Catholic Church is establishing where they will gather in worship, we see the Reformation take place. If you remember Martin Luther, right? And, and there's, again, this scattering, not necessarily just physically this time, but scattering into denominationalism, where all kinds of different modes of expressions and denominations take rise. Today, we're living through a different kind of transition. After the denominationalism of the Reformation era, we've seen over the last 30 years the rise of the megachurch movement. And we definitely see this here in Nashville. More and more churches are becoming the kinds of places where trying to see how big we can build buildings, how many people we can gather in them, how many services we can host, right? To see how many people we can get into one place, gather up in one building. And it seems like the response that we're seeing today in this day and age, the response to the megachurch movement, especially in the evangelical Protestant world, is something called the missional church movement. Now, what we say when we say missional church movement, that's not, necess- that's not just about uh, people who are being missionaries or, or who even have a sense of the mission of God. I think there's people who are in megachurches, they have a sense of the mission of God. But this very specific kind of movement is referencing loose networks of small groups of Christians that are, that are supporting and sustaining one another as they come together to discern what God is up to in their neighborhoods, in workplaces, and communities. It's this smaller kind of networking of church groups that we see in this missional church movement that seems to be a response and a scattering from the mega church movement that we've seen over the last 30 years. See, the church itself is a living, breathing creation. If it is what Tim and I are describing, this gift of the spirit, this new creation reality, this event, then it is a living, breathing creation. 
And so we see throughout the life of the church that there is gathering into places and spaces, stability, seasons of stability and steadiness, gathering into places like buildings. And then there are seasons of scattering and sending. And we see throughout the life of the church that this uh, gathering and sending is just as vital as any organism being able to breathe in and breathe out. It is the life force of the church in the power of the Spirit. So on the one hand, going back to the original question, do we need to gather in these buildings to be the church? On the one hand, I think that question has a pretty simple answer. And that answer is not necessarily. It isn't this brick and mortar that makes us the church. And so this isn't what's making us the church. I'm grateful for this, but I'm also grateful for the fact that stained glass and brick and mortar aren't what make us the church, that the church is a miracle of new creation. But on the other hand, there is this, I think, more complex and deeper, beautiful response to this question, which is something more like this, that maybe the church isn't the building, maybe the church is the building project. Maybe the church is the building project of new creation that God is giving to the world to demonstrate what if this new creation thing is really possible? What if people really could reconcile with one another even though they have incredible differences between them? What if there is a sense in which a group of people could be so surrendered to the infilling of the Spirit and be baptized into this thing called the church where nothing that goes under the water comes out unchanged? And maybe then the church becomes something that is a gift of God to the world. A people who are moving into the world saying, this really is possible. You don't have to keep living in these old ways anymore. We don't have to keep using those same dynamics of power over against others, of amassing the most power and changing the most differences into things that go against one another, that fight one another. But friends, here's where I think we make the mistake And this is, if I could just be honest with you and share a little bit of my heart with you, I think where I am most grieved is when the church forgets that it's a miracle. Mm. When we forget that we are God's new creation miracle, and somehow we start forsaking the miracle of the church, which is new creation, and we start treating the church like it's just another old creation entity. Here's what I mean by this. We start using old creation's dynamics. We start looking at the way that old creation has arranged itself and tried to get some stuff done in the world, and we go, well, that seems to be pretty effective over there, so why don't we just use that in the church, and we step out of the baptismal waters. We dry ourselves off from the dripping grace of God that we entered into when we walked into the waters of baptism. We begin to forsake the miracle and exchange it for something less than what God is pouring out by the gift of the Spirit. When Sean and I were taking a new assignment many years ago now, um, we walked into the church building for the very first time, and there was a member of the church who is a dear, beloved friend of ours, and she said, well, let me show you around the building for a little while. And so she walked into the sanctuary, and we followed behind her, and she starts pointing out all of the different aspects of this gorgeous sanctuary that was assembled there. Church had been around for many, many, many years, and she pointed up to a feature kind of up here at the front near the altar rails, and she said, do you see that up there? Several years ago, we went through a renovation project, and there was someone else in the church, and they wanted to have some carpet that was in that place where that hardwood is. 
I really wanted hardwood because hardwood just looks so much nicer. But they wanted carpet, and I wanted hardwood. But you know what? Look at that. You see it? It's hardwood. I won that fight. Mm. Let's go to the next room. And suddenly I began to get this tingly sensation in the back of my mind. Has this congregation forgotten that it's a miracle of new creation? Has this congregation become the kind of a place where we've just adopted some of those old creation motifs into our congregational life together? Has that gone to work on our imagination in such a way that she felt like she had to fight someone and win over the color of the carpet in the sanctuary because it was that important for the mission of the church? And I say, God, help us with this. What if we were working against the miracle every time we adopted these old creation dynamics into our body together? Let me just say this is where I'm also, though, the most hopeful about the church. Because, friends, I've also seen new creation dynamics happening among Treveca Community Church. Over our years together, I have been encouraged over and over and over again, moved so deeply when I hear some of you say, I'm in a Sunday school class with people who vote very differently than I do. And I recognize that they're different than me. And I know that they're different from me. And we disagree on some stuff, but that is never going to get in the way of our reconciled life to one another in Jesus Christ. That's never going to dry me off from the waters of baptism that we have entered into where everything, including our politics, got wet. Thanks be to God. Everything gets raised to new, new life, new creation. And I love the reality that we can come together and worship together as one body. We say, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey of sobriety. We are the body of Christ Amen. together. Yeah, right. It is not one group lording over the other that I've never had a struggle with addiction before. That's not it. Right. It is new creation that is being born out of this together. And so, friends, this is where I wanted to ask us. Can we plead together as the body of Christ to not forsake yeah. the miracle? Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forsake the miracle. Let's not look at one another with suspicion. Let's not let those suspicions begin to rip us apart where there are now two groups that are beginning to be divided. Let me also suggest that maybe the place and the time when those things begin to rip us apart is the very place where we have begun to forsake the miracle of new creation. Yeah. Mm. And friends, we've got to repent mm. of that. Mm. That's when we start working against the miracle. We start thinking, oh, maybe if I could just get some more power, I could get this church to do what I want it to do. Over against that group. And if there's anything where we have begun to reach out and to grab power and to refuse to release it, it is there where we are working against the very miracle of this new creation. Here's how Jesus describes the miracle. In John chapter 2, if we can see that scripture, Jesus is talking right after he has just cleansed the temple. Like he's sent money changers out of the temple and said, this is old creation that you are bringing into my father's house. Get it out of here. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he had raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, Jesus here is talking about his body as the temple that God desires to build, this new creation reality. And after he's crucified and resurrected, he raises up to new life 
New creation breaks into this world. Something that wasn't possible before the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of the new creation reality. And so friends, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, believe in the church. If you believe in the miracle of the resurrection, that God can raise dead flesh, lungs that have no more oxygen in it, if you can believe in the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus, then believe in the church, that we still are the new creation reality and miracle that God is working here. Here's what Pastor Eugene Peterson has to say about this. He was a founding pastor of a church And as they were first planting this church and getting it started, there was a lot of energy and excitement around the start of the church. And as that energy and excitement began to grow and as their membership began to grow, well, they realized it's time for us to build a building. We're entering into a season of stability and security, so let's build a building. And so they started a building campaign. If you've been around this church very long, you're familiar with building campaigns and all that goes into that. And so they figured out how to fund it, and they figured out how to build it, and where to build it, and what contractors they were going to use. And during the whole building process, there was so much excitement and energy. People couldn't wait to see, what's this church going to be like? What's it going to look like? What will it feel like to get to go and sing and worship and praise inside this building? Then the building is built, and And for a year after that, they continue to grow and see more people come inside the building. It's exciting. It's energizing. But after about a year, they just kind of began to flatline in terms of how many people were entering the building. There's only so much you can do in a building. And then a couple years after that, they began a season of decline where they started to see fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people in the building. And finally, one of the the lay leaders came to Eugene Peterson and said, Pastor Peterson, I think it's time for a change. I think you know what I'm talking about. And Pastor Eugene Peterson said, I don't know what you're talking about. And the lay leader said, well, Pastor, clearly. I mean, we're, we're in decline. It's time for another building project. I mean, we know that that's what energizes people, right? Like, let's build something and fill it up with people. And, and Eugene Peterson looked at him with sadness in his eyes and said, is the miracle of the resurrection not enough? Friends, if you believe in the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, believe in the church. I see that miracle of resurrection here in TCC in so many ways. I've seen it over this last year as many of your Sunday school classes have taken care to make a way for people with serious immune compromised situations to gather over Zoom, even when your classes have primarily been gathering in in person. You hook up all kinds of wirings and figure out microphones and what you need to do to make sure that there can be a breathing in, a gathering, right, of this people that God has brought together. We've seen it in incredible ways as you have been recognizing your call into neighborhood ministries. I love getting calls from people saying, hey, Pastor Shauna, we've been talking about neighboring and neighborhoods, and guess what God's called me to do in my neighborhood? Pastor Shauna, we're gathering all of our neighbors this weekend to have this big gathering, and we never would have done this two years ago, and I feel like God's up to something in my neighborhood. Someone's even said that they feel like I'm the pastor of the block, right? I mean, that's so exciting to think about as the church is being breathed out. We also need to be breathed in, right? There's a breathing in and a breathing out. And I have a feeling that the reason this question was submitted, can we be a part of the church? Do we have to go in the building to be a part of the church? 
Well, there's been a long season now where for a while we weren't coming into this building, into this place. So let let me maybe just ask you this question to reflect. And I think about the people who are joining us even now online, some of whom that this is your regular church body and you don't even live within driving distance of Trevecca Community Church. Let me just ask you this question. How are you being gathered? See, I think it's possible to come into a building and still really resist being gathered. I mean, just because you physically show up into the building doesn't mean that you are really open to being gathered and filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're worshiping online, I just have to ask, is that because it's become convenient? Or or have you really found a true way of being gathered? where you're still connected over, over Zoom, Facebook Live groups, there's people that you're meeting with in parks and in homes, are you still being gathered? Because we need that. As much as our house needs to be opened up sometimes, right? Like the house needs to breathe. You can't keep a building shut up all the time. We need to breathe, to breathe in and out. This is the miracle of new creation. This question Do you need to come into the building to become a part of the church? Friends, we're suggesting today that you are the building project. It is you, the spirit enlivening you and empowering you to be the body of Christ. Sometimes that means being gathered up in this new creation reality where we relate to one another in ways that's not possible in the rest of the world. And sometimes it means being sent and being scattered into the world to be the body of Christ there. How is God calling you in this season to be gathered and to be sent? As we enter into this time of prayer now, I just want to ask, is there anything that is keeping you from being a part of the building project? Is there anything that's keeping you from really being a part of this new creation reality that God has called you to? As we come to this time of prayer, if you'd like to just bring that to the Lord in prayer, or if there's anything else in your heart and life today that you need to bring to the Lord, any part of old creation that's creeping in on your life, any part of old creation that's creating problems for your walk with Jesus, you can bring that today. That's always good to bring. If there's somebody on your heart that is sick or ill and you want to come to an altar and a place of prayer to ask God to heal them, come and be here interceding for them in prayer. But as we come to this time in prayer, we want to pray specifically for our church. Your missional identity task force is meeting for the first time this week, Tuesday night, seeking after God's purposes and practices of missional identity for Trevecca Community Church. We need to be in prayer for the church as we are gathered and as we are sent, as we are gathered and as we are sent. So if you want to come and find a place to pray specifically for your church or specifically for you and your part in it, ask that God would just take away anything that's interfering with a building project that God desires in your life, in your neighborhood, in your community, and in the miracle that is Trevecca Community Church. So right now, if you wanna come, you don't have to wait, just come on, find a place at the altar if that's something that you need to do today. Let's come and kneel and trust that God is going to meet us here as we pray for the church, as we pray for needs in our lives, and let's go before the Lord. Gracious God, we thank you today for the miracle that you've given us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that our Savior has conquered the grave. 
And because of that, we can be made a new creation in Jesus Christ. And so we ask today, God, for this gift of new creation. We ask that you would fill us up with the power of your Holy Spirit. There is no church without the Spirit. And so, God, would we be so open to you today? And, Lord, as you send us out, as you send us out from this place, Lord, we ask that you would empower us, open our eyes to see where you are at work in the world so that we can follow after your Spirit into those places and spaces. Lord, for those this morning that are hurting, because of the impacts of old creation, Lord, whether it is addiction or broken relationships, whether it is finances, temptations, whatever that old creation is that is pressing in and causing pain and strife today, God, we ask for your peace. We ask for your healing. We ask for your wholeness, for the gift of new creation that only you can bring. Lord, for those in our congregation who can't be here with us today because they're ill and sick, we ask for your healing hand upon them. For those that have surgeries upcoming, God, we ask that that you would go with them and that you would be working for their healing and for their wholeness. Jesus, thank you that we get to be a part of the church who prays for one another and supports each other, but even more than just support, that we get to be this new creation reality. And we know that it is only in the power of your son, Jesus Christ, who who taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like to join us for worship next week, we have a couple options available for you. You're welcome to join us online at 8.45, beginning with our virtual lobby, followed by service at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Or you can join us on campus at 335 Murfreesboro Pike for worship at 9 a.m., followed by discipleship classes at 10.30.